to Bovine Banter with the Penn State Extension Dairy Team. My name is Ginger Fenton and I am an educator based in Mercer County. Today we're going to talk about nutrient management on dairy farms. Joining us today is Rob Minen. Thank you for being with us, Rob. Hey, Ginger, it's awesome to be here. Uh, my name is Rob Minen. I work for Penn State Extension and I am stationed at University Park, work throughout the state out of the Department of Animal Science. My main goals of my professional career are coordinating the education for the commercial manure hauler and broker program in the state. I also get involved with nutrient management programming and education. I'm quite involved uh, with all specialties from animal agriculture to the environment, water quality, air quality, and everything in between there. I'd like to see both economic, agronomic, as well as environmental priorities on the farm level and across the state move forward. And I'm going to give a little plug here for the North American Manure Expo. I will be the co-chair of the North American Manure Expo in 2022. It will be in mid-July in Franklin County uh, at Chambersburg. Great, Rob. Thank you. Today, um, as Rob mentioned, we are also joined by Jeremy Yeager. Jeremy, can you please tell us a bit about your background and about Mercer View Farms? I actually grew up on a dairy farm, small dairy farm, and I, I had the passion. I was never particularly in love with cows, but I was, I liked just the operations of a dairy farm and, and the management of it. And it didn't work out for me to stay on the farm. So I, I got a college degree in agronomy and I've been in, actually been in ag retail for 24 years. I never thought of myself as, as a salesman, but that's what I did. I, I sold fertilizer seed um, and also as a service to the clients I worked with were nutrient management plans. So, so through that experience, I was lucky enough, privileged enough to catch the attention of Rick and Rod Hissong at Mercerview. I guess 15 years ago, we started working together as a operator-client relationship. And over time, that had evolved from me simply selling them products to then me writing a nutrient management plan to at some point, I'd say maybe five years into it, you know, Rick, Rick started, you know, we'd be in meetings, Rick would introduce me as his agronomist and nutrient management planner and always would say how much he appreciated that being one person. So his fertilizer salesman was also the one that was managing where the manure goes and to Rick and Rod, that was very important to them that that was being managed sort of under one umbrella. So yeah, we had the client operator relationship. And then this past summer um, that evolved into, we, we got together like, all right, we, we, can, we can do more here. Um, we can do a better job. And we decided it made sense for me to be an employee of Mercer View Farms at that point. So we're, we're six months into it. And, and I would say there's not a lot that has changed. I guess the biggest change is instead of me saying, you do this, now it's we and us. And you know, I'm part of a little more involved with helping to, to figure, figure that out. So again, Mercerview Farms, just to give you a, a brief overview of, of the farms we're in Franklin County, a little over 3,000 mature cows and 3,000 young stock. Now, when I say these total numbers, we do have a dairy in Northern Virginia as well. So these are total numbers between our Pennsylvania dairy and our, and our Virginia dairy. So mentioned the, the cows, and with the cows comes a lot of, a lot of manure. And I'll, I'll throw out these numbers. Again, don't want to use a lot of numbers to bore you, but roughly 48 million gallons of liquid manure, 7,500 tons of solid manure in, in each calendar year. So 
So that's a lot of what I do with my role is managing, managing the manure. Um, crop acres were at roughly 4,000 acres of corn, 1,800 acres of that gets double cropped with, with rye and triticale, uh, small grain forage. And then we do grow six to 700 acres of alfalfa as well. So that's a brief overview of Mercer View. Thank you both for the great introductions. Rob, could you please explain to our listeners what a nutrient management plan should include? Sure, Ginger. There are several different levels of plans or uh, forms of plans in the, in the state, including nutrient management plans and manure management plans. If you're not sure what plan is appropriate for a farm, you should talk to the county conservation district where you're at, and they will help steer you in the right direction. But plans are either based on one of two nutrients, right? Nitrogen or phosphorus, which are the two nutrients that are found in manure that are problematic when they get to the water. Um, application rates are the main product of a nutrient or manure management plan, right? That application rate, how many gallons per acre or tons per acre of manure you can put on a field are based on balancing the nutrient availability in the manure with the needs of the upcoming crop, the plant crop that is planned. Um, this would include accounting for things such as previous manure applications, previous fertilizer applications, and nutrients left over from previous crops or uh, management practices. The plan also includes an important component, which are mapping pages that will outline setbacks for manure application, right? The best defense we have against introducing nitrogen or phosphorus to the water is to properly adhere to setbacks of nitrogen and phosphorus that are in the manure or manure application setbacks. And those are based on the distance from surface or groundwater. So streams, lakes, ponds, water wells, and sinkholes. Okay, thank you for that information. So Jeremy, can you tell us how a nutrient management plan fits into the management of the dairy farm? There, there's got to be a balance there. So talking more about, about Mercerview specifically, Rick and Rod are very very interested in number one, being good neighbors, number two, being good stewards of the land, working in being efficient, whether it be efficient with the dairy operation with the cows or efficient with the cropping operation. Of course, you know, they want happy cows, they want happy employees, and that all works together. But through, through their goals, it ties in well with nutrient management because we aren't simply 100% about any one of those particular things. There, there's a balance and a nutrient management plan that is properly implemented is taking into account using the manure as a fertilizer source. So when we're looking at doing our enterprise budgeting, the manure application costs all geared towards the crop inputs. So if the manure is simply a waste and we aren't getting value out of it, that's not doing us any good there. So to fit the um, the manure management into a just a whole comprehensive nutrient management plan that benefits the crops, protects the environment. Um, we have to have everything working together there so that we can get the best value out of the manure while protecting groundwater and being good stewards of the land. So that's a big picture look at how, how we fit it in. Thank you for sharing that perspective. Um, Jeremy, I know as you mentioned, Mercerview has thought a lot about their nutrient management plan and has implemented some very interesting technologies. What are these technologies and how do they fit together? Mercerview has a flush dairy. So each pen, each um, alley in, in the barns get flushed several times a day. And once that liquid with the, with the manure in it is flushed, 
it goes through several different stages of separation. So one of the first stages would be removing sand. And I didn't mention Mercer uses sand for bedding and that's part of the cow comfort goal of the farm. The next stage of separation be uh, using a screw press. And this screw press is a common piece of separation equipment that's on a lot of, a lot of flush dairies that is simply a large screw, I'll say, and a screen and the solids are pressed out of the liquid uh, through the screen. And um, that captures a lot of the fibers, a lot of, a lot of the, the solids, but it doesn't capture quite as many nutrients as we want to. So, so one technology that Merceview has implemented several years ago is a centrifuge. So if our goal is to, I guess I'll throw this in here, liquid manure, is expensive to haul great distances. We want to keep the liquid manure as close to the dairy as we can, whereas the solid manure we can truck further away. The goal with the centrifuge is to pull more of the, especially the phosphorus and some nitrogen out of the liquid so that the liquid that we have to spread close to the home dairy is lower nutrient level so we can apply higher application rates and then we're pulling more of the nutrients out into the solids and that can be trucked further away. So the centrifuge is it's effective because the phosphorus especially is tied up not so much on the large fibers in the manure but the the smaller fibers and I I know it's tied up on the smaller fibers that the centrifuge with, with its roughly 3,000 or 3,500 revolutions per minute, like it's, it's spinning really fast and using that force to drive out those, those smaller fibers and along with it, the phosphorus. Through that process, we've seen our phosphorus level in our liquid drop and we have a nice solid material then to use as a fertilizer. Um, another technology that we've been using for a while is drag lining manure that I'll say cuts down on the number of tankers that we have on the road. So less tankers mean less traffic, less dust around the farm. So the drag lining manure, um, getting manure to the field with underground line and, and then laying out hose. We've had neighbors say, hey, I didn't even realize you guys were hauling manure because I didn't see the tankers running, but then the manure is applied to the field. So. And along with that, so just we've been drag lining for a while, but just in the last, I'd say two years, we started implementing incorporation along with the drag line to get more value out of our manure. So two other things that have to do with, with storages. So our main lagoon that stores most of our liquid, it was a couple of years ago, I guess we were talking to one of our advisors and mentioned that uh, there would be cost share available to, to cover the, the lagoon. And we started crunching numbers. And depending on how you look at the numbers, it's, either, it's saving us somewhere between a million and three million gallons of liquid that, I say liquid rainwater that falls on the surface of the lagoon. One of the common lines in nutrient management is wanna keep clean water clean. That's essentially what that's doing is instead of adding that one to three million gallon of rainwater into the lagoon, into the manure, making more manure to spread, we are simply pumping that off the lagoon cover, discharging as clean water. So that's made a difference. And then real recently, we installed a system to catch all of our leachate that comes from the feed storage area. So 
we have almost four acres of concrete where our corn salage, corn green, high corn, alfalfa, all the other feed stuffs are stored. Every time it rains, that area gets flushed. Through a couple different grants, we got funding and built a lagoon to capture 100% of our leachate. So instead of just catching a little bit of the leachate, the really nutrient-rich leachate, we're catching 100% now. And there's a lot of nutrients here that we weren't previously accounting for that, that we now are. So, so with catching all that leachate now, call it leachate, but it's really, it's mostly rainwater. So we're like, all right, what do we do with it now? It doesn't pay to tanker it to the field, doesn't pay to even drag line it uh, on the field, but it does have some NP and K value. So we're irrigating that with a, a traveling gun. Uh, so we're catching that all winter. And then in the summer when we have growing corn crop, we're irrigating that then. So that's a summary of what half a dozen different BMPs were implementing at Mercerview. Great. That's good practical information. Thank you. Jeremy, as a farm manager, it's always nice to see systems like this do one of three things. Um, do having these systems on the farm either make jobs easier, save time, or help with the economic bottom line on the farm? It's really easy to say yes to number three, help the economic bottom line of the farm. So I talked about several of the BMPs there with the, the manure separation and especially the centrifuge the drag lining with the incorporation directly affect the bottom line. Number one and number two there are a little harder. Some of them actually do make more work. And there's times when we talk about the goals with nutrient management, one of them and very important one is to be good stewards of the land and protect our groundwater. And that does not come without a cost. And a lot of times that cost is a couple more steps in the process of catching the leachate so it's not polluting groundwater, but now we got to take time to, to uh, manage it. And yeah, so all these BMPs, again, some of them directly impact the bottom line in a positive way. Some of them add more work. I guess we'll just leave it at that. Thank you for your perspective. <laughs> Rob, could you explain to us the balances of nitrogen and phosphorus and that balance as it relates to crops? Sure, Ginger. The balances uh, with nitrogen and phosphorus and how they relate to crops can be presented as one of the foundational mismatches and things that we have to manage at the farm level. Anytime we work with manure and are working with crops, which is almost all of our animal agricultural scenarios, we have this mismatch in place to the point that the amount of nitrogen and phosphorus in the manure do not balance well with the needs of the crop, no matter what crop we're putting on, no matter what manure source we have. So for instance, if we apply manure at a balanced rate for nitrogen, we will always over apply phosphorus. And that's why we see uh, long-term agricultural lands sometimes get their phosphorus levels and their soil tests creeping up. On the other hand, if we have to back off and balance our manure application rate perfectly matched for phosphorus, will be short on nitrogen. And we'll have a little mismatch there that we have to supplement with uh, fertilizer. So that gets to the points that Jeremy's making, right? A lot of the management they're doing are helping to manage some of these uh, imbalances that we have naturally and kind of get them to work closer to the balance that is desirable for the farm. And when he says that they are injecting or incorporating the manure, that's one of the examples that's doing that. By getting the manure underneath the surface of the soil, 
you're decreasing volatilization of ammonia, which is a nitrogen source. And by conserving that nitrogen, you're helping that imbalance and making it a little closer and hopefully driving uh, good economics for the farm. Jeremy, could you give us a little bit more um, information on how you're managing this imbalance? Two main points to make there. So we went, we started using the centrifuge and lowered our phosphorus level in our liquid from six pounds per thousand gallon down to four. That helped our nutrient balance. So before the centrifuge, if we were applying manure to meet nitrogen needs, we were applying excess phosphorus. And over time, you know, like that wasn't a problem. We didn't feel like we were polluting groundwater, but our soil test phosphorus levels were increasing. We started using the centrifuge and our, our phosphorus in the liquid dropped. So then at that point, it was almost a one-to-one -one ratio of the ratio of nitrogen to phosphorus. So it made a very good fertilizer source without adding to what was already high soil phosphorus levels. So now this latest step that we've made to incorporate manure, as Rob talked about there with the increased availability of nitrogen, we actually have more nitrogen than phosphorus as far as available nutrients. And so that's allowing us now to pull back down our phosphorus levels in our soil. So we still don't have an exact balance, but it's actually in our favor now because we're pulling back that phosphorus, pulling it back out through crop removal where several years ago, we we're, we we're adding phosphorus to the soil. So it's just a matter of paying attention. So not all animal manures are created equal. Each one has a different ratio of NPK, especially nitrogen and phosphorus, and especially the availability of them with how they're managed. So the biggest thing is knowing what that balance is. If you're short on a nutrient, you know, making that difference up through commercial fertilizer, or if you're if you're long on a nutrient, um, just being careful with how you're managing that manure so that it's not creating an you know, environmental impact. So I would say just pay attention and know. So can you tell us how does the implementation of your nutrient management plan affect the farm's bottom line? So specifically with the bottom line, we talked a lot about manure hauling, manure hauling expenses. I put some real numbers together here that all right, our fertilizer value specifically NP and K, in a tanker load of liquid is roughly $50, $55, So that's, that's what our tanker load liquid's worth. And depending on how far away we need to haul that, sometimes, you know, if a farm's close by, we can haul that for, say, $40 for that load. So we're getting more value than what it costs us to haul it there. So that's that's good return. If we start hauling it further away, you know, four or five miles or more, then we can get up into the 60, 70, 80, 90 dollars a load for a load of manure that's you know nutrient values are anywhere worth 55 to 60 dollars. So it doesn't really make sense to do that. On the flip side, we talked earlier about the solid manure, whether it be from the centrifuge or uh, the composting we're doing, like we're getting a more nutrient-rich solid manure that makes sense to haul that further away. So one load, I, I was crunching numbers there earlier, what, one load of our solid manure nutrient value is worth $180 to $200 a load. So that we can haul seven, eight miles away and it still be a good fertilizer source and good give us economic return from hauling it that far, whereas the liquid doesn't. So we spend a lot of time, again, crunching numbers on hauling. How can we, the manure hauling cost is something that we're just always looking at. 
we're going to have manure. So how can we utilize it the best we can? And also, whether it be from an agronomic standpoint with growing crops or an economic standpoint with just profit loss. I guess one other thing I'll touch on there, I mentioned composting. The reason we do that, our separated fibers that we're getting off the screw press, it's light, it's fluffy. Some of it we actually use for bedding. The downside is when we apply that to the field, it's not giving us much fertilizer value. And one of the main reasons, the carbon nitrogen ratio is, is pretty high there, 28 to one. That's, that's a lot of carbon. Because of that, it ties up the nitrogen, the, the microbes that are breaking down the carbon feed on the nitrogen. So the nitrogen that's in that manure, in those fibers, it's busy feeding the microbes and doesn't have a chance to feed the crops. So through composting, that carbon-nitrogen ratio does not make for good fertilizer, but it makes for great compost material. We have a compost pad at the, at the dairy where we have windrows of these separated solids. They get turned periodically. And after about, I would say roughly a month, uh, we then take the finished compost to another stack pad and where it waits till it's, uh, till it's land applied. At that point, it makes for a nice fertilizer product, uh, carbon-nitrogen ratio down in the 14 to 1 ratio rather than 28 to 1. That's another way where, you know, we're using the composting as a BMP to turn a inferior fertilizer product into a nice fertilizer material through the compost. So, Do you also utilize cover crops? And can you tell us, if you do, how that fits into your plan? Cover crops are a very big part of what we do. So... I mentioned earlier when I listed the crops we grow, uh, we're doing about 1,500 acres of rye and triticale for forage. But besides that, every acre where we chop corn gets a, either a rye or triticale cover crop just for cover crop. It's not harvested. And then even corn fodder ground, like where we're combining corn, there's times where we've seen value in in the movement to have living roots in the soil year round, like even through the winter, the value in having, yeah, the, the corn fodder is organic matter and helps protect the soil, but growing an additional cover crop there brings more benefits in addition to the corn fodder. So we are doing some cover crop in our corn fodder ground as well. One of the, one of the main reasons is nutrient retention. So we do have to apply some uh, manure in the fall and applying manure in the fall on bare ground doesn't make sense agronomically, environmentally, for a number of reasons. So having the cover crop there to tie up that nitrogen through the fall, winter, in the spring when we terminate the cover crop, it's then releasing that, that nitrogen for that next corn crop. One change that we've implemented here a couple years ago change how we, a little bit how we look at cover crops and how we schedule things in the fall. So up until 2018, our number one priority once the corn comes off was to, all right, let's get as much manure out as we can now just on bare ground and then follow that with then planting the cover crop. Well, 2018 came and we had 70, maybe 80 inches of rain, very, very, very wet year. So our corn harvest was late and our intention again was we got to get the manure out. So corn came off, we got manure out, um, then had to wait for that ground to get fit to plant it then. And in some cases it was Thanksgiving or after till we got cover crop planted. And then we had an, an open winter that was actually kind of hard on the cover crop. Long story short, we did not get good cover crop growth through the fall. It didn't help us much for the winter. 
for the, the rye and triticale that we intended to harvest. Um, our yields were cut in half. Through that, we kind of took a step back and said, all right, we need to do something different here. So now we are very intentional about in the fall when the corn comes off, instead of planting the cover crop first, and if we don't have time to haul manure right then, we'll haul manure later on once we have a growing cover crop. And that has helped us a couple ways. It's helped, number one, get the cover crop established in better time so it can make where we want to harvest it, it makes more feed where we just want it to be a cover crop. We have a better stand, so more cover over the winter. But the other thing that that allowed us to do is by waiting on that manure application and applying that manure now, instead of maybe mid-September on bare ground ahead of a cover crop, we're now applying it maybe late October or early November on a growing cover crop. The growing cover crop can right away start pulling up nitrogen and utilizing that rather than just having it laying out there. Rob, you work across the state with manure management issues. Um, how do the benefits that Jeremy describes at the farm level help with the larger watershed-wide nutrient management goals? Well, what they're doing is starting the process at the farm level. You can tell that the, his songs and, and Jeremy Yeager, just by all the comments he's made and the systems that they implement, and that they are very thoughtful managers, that they carefully consider all the things that they do. And when they implement something, it's because they've thought it through quite well. They see challenges. One of the good signs of a good manager is that when you have a challenge, you'll figure a way to make the situation better. And I think that they are doing that. So they take that honest, critical look at things and decide how they can improve things. So starting at the farm level, when we think about that, every field makes a difference. Every uh, manure application makes a difference for the components that are going to be downstream and be end up being overall watershed improvements, right? Planning and nutrient management planning, manure management planning are great tools. These are something that we have in a toolkit that tell us what to do, right? It provides a roadmap on how to address our day-to-day -day operations, but really the unwritten component of planning is the integrity and decision-making that happens at the field level. And whenever you think about what you're doing in day-to-day, -day, you have to try to always think in that bigger picture. What I need to do is going to be good for my farm and my field, but also ought to be better so we can leave the land and the world a little better uh, today than it was yesterday. Thank you, Rob, and thank you, Jeremy, for taking the time to talk with us today. And thank you to all the listeners. Um, don't forget to tune in next Tuesday for a discussion about precision nutrition.